This is Coach MJ on the Real Mission I'm Possible show. Today we have a sales guru. His name is Kevin Walsh. He's written several books. He has uh, ignited sales organizations across the world, including organizations in the Middle East, Europe, and Africa. And to say the least, he knows exactly what he's talking about. He's a key trainer and a spokesperson for Boss consultants who he also is a partner of and one of the books he's written is called tales of a wise man amongst others i'd like to welcome kevin walsh to the show kevin thank you very much for coming on coach thank you very much for inviting me an absolute pleasure to be here an absolute pleasure thank you you know it's been a long time coming i've, I've looked at a lot of the work that you've done and with admiration of course and i just thought well you know what uh with all the things that are going on right now sales organizations or companies not just sales organizations but companies need to find better more ethical ways to communicate the their value proposition and you know sales used to have kind of a kind of a stigma you know like the used car guy or the guy that yeah. knocks on your door and yet here we are today uh with still one of the most highest paid professions in the world am i right for sure. Absolutely. You're spot on, coach. I mean, if you think about it, back in the day, if you couldn't get a job, you went into sales. That was almost how people perceived it, wasn't it? And, you know, if, you, if you're a salesperson and you spoke, people assumed you were lying. And that's the way that it was. I think there were some, um, there were some different methods being utilized back in the day. I don't think too many companies had a conscience about the clients. They were focused on numbers, numbers, and numbers. Whereas today's marketplace is very different. You know, it's all about providing the service for the client, retaining the client, bringing the client back again. So to do that, you need to have highly trained, highly ethical individuals. They still have to understand the concept of sales and be able to create the desire and convert that into a need and make a sale. But they have to approach it in a very different way today than they were doing it, say, 30 or 40 years ago. Um, so one of the things that, that I get involved with more than anything really is, is helping people helping companies retain their staff because, you know, the cost of, re of recruiting and retraining, you know yourself, is something that people avoid on balance sheets. And it's a, it can be, a, a, it can be a, a real kick in the backside for any company when they look at the actual cost involved. And yet you invest in training people in an ideal world, they'll stay, their engagement levels are higher, their productivity levels become higher. So it becomes a win-win. Yeah, I guess engagement is really the whole thing because what you just said about uh the, the the life of a salesperson within an organization uh it's not very long unless there is that engagement because you know sales you know if my son came home and says well i got a job in sales he would be upset and kind of depressed because that's not a very you know very prestigious job in his mind and people will always tell you no so what fun is that yeah, it's true. I mean, you see it nowadays. Companies companies actually remove the word sales from the job title. You know, we've got harvesters, we've got gatherers, we've got farmers, we've got... I, I did some work for a company recently. They asked me if I could come and train their, their midfielders. And I said, but I can, I'll have a go, sure, but I promise this, I'm not, I'm not a soccer coach. And they went, no, no, we don't want you to train soccer players. We call our team midfielders. And I said, Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, well, let's let's talk then. So we had the midfielders, we had the attackers, we had the they got the entire concept of their company built around a football team, which was very clever. Right. But at the yeah. end of the day, the whole point was because they didn't want people to have the stigma of saying, 
I'm a salesperson, which for me, coach, you know, I'm old school. I wear it loud and proud. If people ask me what I do, as amongst many other things, I'm predominantly a salesperson. That's what I do. One of my mentors, he's, a, he's an author, he's a, he's a trainer, but he uses in his LinkedIn profile, salesman. He, he hasn't gone away from it. Now, he sold over 10 million books. But he still goes with that. And yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the reason that there's a reason that he does it is because the way he goes about doing selling, which is connecting someone to a product or service that will add value to their life, is that that's how he feels about it. So he sees yeah. it as a service that uh, not only uh, is a need, but a necessity for people to learn how to do it properly. Yeah, you, you see, I can buy into that. For me, it's a real, it's a real passion of mine that I discovered later in life. It's about developing people, and that whether that's predominantly salespeople or people in other departments, whatever. But one of the biggest skills that I believe you need in whatever it is you're going to do, you need to have the ability to engage people. You know, you if you can be, you can know all of the product details inside and out, but if you can't engage somebody in a conversation, you're not going to sell them anything. If you can engage someone in a conversation, but you don't know the product, that's not going to work either. So it's putting the pieces together. But for me, the, the, the best way to engage, and this is, this is my style, not only in my writing, in my training and everything, my style is really is based on storytelling. And I just think, if I said to you, coach, I'm going to give you a lecture now about aerodynamics, you'd probably fall asleep. If I say to you, coach, I want to share a story with you about me flying a plane, you might want to listen to the story. The point of each will be the same. The message will be the same, but it's just in the way that you set it up and the way that you lead into it. So it's about being able to engage people and let them think, yeah, I want to listen to this guy. I want to listen to this woman. What have they got to say? You're 100% right. Some of the masters who, I, by the way, the gentleman I was talking about before my mentor is Ben Gay third, uh, just legendary. And he worked with uh, Zig Ziglar. They were in the same company. Yep. He ended up being... Yeah, yeah. He ended up being Zig's boss. Uh, okay. And the, the, the story is that his mentor uh, had pretty, some pretty big fame, too, because his mentor had written a book that had only been outsold by the Bible. And the, wow. the, 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 the <laughs> knowledge that he had and has is just incredible. And that, the reason I'm saying this is because when it comes down to it, I learned uh, as a young man one of the tenets from Dale Carnegie. And Dale Carnegie mm -hmm. taught all of us that if we show interest in another person, if we listen to another person, if we learn another person's name, if we think and talk in terms of their interest, well, just with those alone coupled with a smile is going to get us a lot further in the communication matrix, isn't it? Listen, again, absolutely correct. But it's very interesting, the names that you're mentioning, because those guys are like legends in our field. Um, and why, why it fascinates me is obviously, you know, I'm from the other side of the pond to you. And a lot of the stuff that you're telling me about and a lot of the stuff that I studied when I was younger was American biased. And they, for me, it was always America. I always saw America as a country that truly recognized the ability and skill involved in sales and the profession of sales. And also they liked the fact that they liked people to be successful. Whereas 
my side of the Atlantic, they kind of were the opposite of that. They didn't want people to be salesy. They didn't like people to be overly successful. But I just kind of looked at, like you say, in some of Zig Ziglar's books and Dale Carnegie's books, and some of their words, they, they had an ability to simplify things so much that you could understand it and you could go and use that so quickly with people and you could see immediate benefits and immediate results. It wasn't as if you were learning a language that you've got to learn for 12 months before you can order a cup of coffee and a sandwich. You could actually go and speak this partly straight away if you just took the time to study it. So, and, and those methods and those lessons, they're still applicable today, Coach. You know, life's moved on, things have changed, but some of those foundations are still there. Absolutely. You know, the book I was talking about was Think and Grow Rich, written by yeah, Dr. Napoleon book. Hill, who was the mentor of Ben Gay III. So imagine, imagine what an influence they had on each other and yeah. the rest of the world. Yeah. And yeah. I was in the UK uh, for a while, and I remember uh, how some people resented uh, this whole positive mental attitude kind of thing uh where they just the, the the american way of thinking which we didn't realize it was an american way of thinking we just thought it was being positive but you're right yeah. i i picked up on that for sure i remember way way back in the day i had a stint where like most of us i guess i sold vacuum cleaners and i sold kirby vacuum cleaners and i was in manchester in england and that was you know it was the, they bought the whole american concept in the morning meetings, the singing, the chanting, that you know, wave the flag of the Kirby vacuum cleaner, get the guys pumped up, get them out on the streets knocking on doors, get them out at night demonstrating the machine. I mean, it was it was just an absolutely brilliant concept, but it gave it gave young people the opportunity to earn money they couldn't earn anywhere else. But again, it was like a filter. A lot of people didn't like it, but the ones that could actually appreciate it, I always say the guys that if anyone spent time working at Kirby vacuum cleaners. And they were there longer than six months. That's going to be a very good salesperson. Yes, I would think so. Again, because of the dropout rate, which is predicated yeah. or caused by rejection. And the fear yeah, of rejection absolutely. is what holds most people back from trying anything new. And that's probably something that you train about uh, in your organization. It's a big part of it, Coach. You know, nobody, nobody, when um, people go into sales positions, one of the first things they have to realize is what is the realistic expectation of this job? If you give me 10 clients, how many sales can I expect to make? If they expect to make 10 sales, they're going to be very depressed very quickly. If they make one sale and that's not satisfactory, they've got to improve, but they've got to be realistic with it. So if the target is to convert 45%, okay, that's fine. So what I've got to do is work to get to the 45%. So yeah, I will train people to overcome the fear of rejection. And the only way you're going to get rejected is by asking somebody to do something. So, you know, there's that wonderful book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. So if I'm nervous, if I ask you, you'll say no. All I've got to learn to do is ask you. And then just maybe if I've done it properly, you might say yes to me. And that will be the basis of it. And that's the basis of the training with people that are new to the industry, for sure. All throughout the world, there are people who go through their entire lives and wanted to do something but never had the courage to ask. They never had the courage to ask for help, ask a question, ask someone different out for a dance, whatever it was, and they're living with a bag of regrets. So I think trainers, top trainers like yourselves, are helping organizations develop, personally develop their own 
people, assets within the group to help them strengthen their own abilities and go further along with the process so that they can learn how to communicate the wares of that company in a valuable way with integrity. Yeah, for sure. I also believe that um, without wishing to blow my own trumpet, one of the advantages that I have when I go into companies is, you know, I've got, I've got several decades of experience in different avenues of life. You know, I've, I've been successful. I've met disaster. I've been rich. I've been poor. I've achieved lots of different things and I've messed things up. And there's that wonderful, you know, you don't learn from success, you learn from the failures. So in most of these situations, I can go in and I can very quickly relate. And I do a lot of work in multicultural societies. So I can relate to what's happening in their life and the different cultures. You know, you've lived in lots of different places. You know the value of that. So it's being able to actually, I, I, I haven't just done a six-week course on how to be a coach. You know, that's the thing. I've been doing this for decades. So when I, what I'm talking is, whether it's right, whether it's wrong, it's predominantly based on real life experience. So I can show people how to avoid the pain. And if they listen and they're prepared to learn and apply it, how to enjoy the game. Yep. Because at the end of the day, when it comes to business, nothing happens until somebody buys something. And That's nobody is going to buy anything until somebody intentionally develops a strategy to sell that customer. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I still hear it today. Oh, yeah, this is a product that sells itself. I've, I've, I haven't met it yet. I would, love, I would love to meet it. I'd love to be the guy that invents the product that sells itself. Everything has to be sold. Some people take more effort. Some products take more effort to be sold, obviously, depending on the nature of the product and usually based on the value of the product. We know as human beings, human beings we have a naturally built-in period of thinking about something, whether we're spending $5 or $5 million. The job of the salespeople is to condense that time into a time that's realistic and we can do the business ideally today. But there, there are no products that sell themselves and there are no, there are no born salespeople. You know, these are all myths. That, you know, they're myths that I enjoy. They're balloons to be burst as far as I'm concerned. Yes. Uh, I used to, I, I remember this, I used to like to tell our teams, the most important sale you'll make today is the one you make in the mirror before you leave for the office. Yeah. I, you know, I still use that a lot. I tell people, a lot of the things that I try to coach is based on three words, listen, learn, and apply. So I can't make people listen. I can't make them learn, and I can't make them apply. But if they choose to try the three things, they'll find out whether what I'm telling them makes any sense or not. And the, the, the line that I use all the time is, you can tell me anything you like. You can tell your boss anything you like. You can tell your wife, your husband, your partner, anything you like. But when you look in the mirror, that's the time you have to always tell the truth. Never lie to yourself. If you're not doing something to the best of your ability and you ask yourself in the mirror, have I tried the hardest? And the answer is no. Tell yourself no. And then let's work out what you need to do tomorrow to be better than today. So, yeah, go and tell your boss that you've really tried hard today, but don't tell yourself if you haven't because we'll never change anything. The first, as you said, the first sale is to you, and the first step of making any change is to realize, okay, I'm not doing this as well as I think I should be able to, so I need to change. Nothing else will change. That's absolutely well said, and I think if companies would just listen to what you've said right now, they'll realize that, hey, maybe there is room for improvement, which, by the way, is the most important piece of architectural planning you can do for a house is the room for improvement. 
And every company, every company can enjoy that. You know, one of the things that I find is it typical if you go to the companies, you've got the, the kind of glory boys, as I call them, the sales and marketing. You know, they're the ones that get all the trumpets and all the prizes and everything else. And they're the ones that get all the, all the end of year awards. But the other, every person in the company is involved in the sales aspect of it. They're all as important as each other. And one, one of my missions is to try to get companies to expand their training and development, not only on sales and marketing teams, but to all of their employees. And when they appreciate you, you invest money in your teams and your employees, which are your best asset at the end of the day. And those guys and girls become more engaged. Their, their engagement with clients leads to, is better, their productivity, everything around your organization improves and you don't really know the reason why. But the reason why is because you invested in them and they appreciate it and they want to give back. Because sometimes I know I go to companies and I talk, go to departments and it's like the land that time forgot. And you open the door and it's just dusty in there. No one, don't go in that room, that's collections or don't go in there, that's accounts. These guys are employees, they need to have time, they need to be developed and trained. So it's just, it's getting companies to move away. Sales and marketing, incredibly important, but there's more to life than just sales and marketing. It sure is. And at the end of the day, if everybody has buy-in into a curriculum that is helping them grow through a learning and development program that is holistic for the organization, then what you end up with is ambassadors in every department and everybody is in sales because everybody is in customer service. And when they understand that customers are king at the end of the day and everybody's carrying that banner, then you have a yeah. winning culture. Absolutely. I, I believe once you build that, there's nothing as powerful as a team that collectively understand what the company are trying to achieve. And equally, there are so many companies out there today where the teams don't know what the company are trying to achieve or, or what, how close or how far are we to achieving it. So if you make them aware and give them a feeling of responsibility, and bring in that togetherness, then it's th th then that's where you see people can explode, teams can explode, and sometimes it, it, I love it. I use I like sports analogies. You see a sports team that's failing, they change the manager. The manager comes in with the same players, the same pitch, the same ball, the same everything. The manager brings a different mentality. The team starts to perform. The team go on and become unbeatable. It's just about mentality. So for me, it's all about, I think our mind is our biggest asset. And I think our mind is our biggest enemy. We just have to learn to control it and turn it to use it the way that it will go to our advantage. And if companies were to look at the bigger picture of that, coach, I just think, Sometimes they stop themselves from getting to where they want to get to. Well, if you want your organization to be Champions League or Premier League or World Cup, get in touch with our guest today. His name is Kevin Walsh. He's the author of Tales of a Wise Man and so many others. Kevin, thank you so much for your words of wisdom. I think we could probably go on for days, but for now, our producers are shining the right, the right, the, the lights on and saying wrap it up, but I wrap it up with a great guest today. Thank you so much for everything that you shared with us. Thank you for inviting me, Coach. Absolute pleasure to be on here with you. Thank you very much. We'll be dropping all your contact links into the episode, and then when it comes out on Spotify, Apple, for those people who don't uh, hear, or sorry, cannot see the visuals, we'll be dropping those into the show notes there as well, how to get in touch. Could you just say the name of your website before you go? Yeah, it's www.vosconsultants.com. That's V-O-S, Vos Consultants. Very well. Thank you so much, Kevin. God bless.
Thanks, coach. As Zig Ziglar used to say, see you at the top. I'll see you at the top, yeah. Enjoy the view.